0: It reaches to the heavens How great is the heart Is. Amen. What a nice spirit to that song. Good to be in the house of the Lord again. Good to see all of you again. How many are happy to be here? <laughs> Wonderful. Brother John Lafontaine was always one who was outspoken. And he said, How many are happy to be here? He says, Well, why don't you let your face know it? <laughs> so he would he would say things. I, I I couldn't say it the same way he did, but Anyway, it's good to see you all, good to be here. I just want to bring a couple of, just a prayer request or so, and then I also would like to, maybe before I do that, I want to, I want to share share a clip, and I'm going to leave you standing, that's okay, I'm still standing too. Um, This is a a young brother. You may have heard this last week, there is a uh, um, young man in the Edmonton area, his name was Joey Moss, he's a man who had Down syndrome. He was quite popular, quite well known. He was a man who was with the Down syndrome, had a disability all his life, and yet he won his way into the hearts of people, and he made an impact. This is a young man who's a, got a Down. He's a Down syndrome as well. He's in a church in Arizona, and I want to just play this clip for you, just for a moment. It's just forty-five seconds long. <laughs> I like well, that. Good. I love I knew me. Another song. Oh, he knows lots of songs. Oh. Oh, Thank you, Sister Ruth. This young man's name is Jeffrey. He attends Brother Doug Baker's church in Tucson. And he was, he was, and and he he just, he's in his 40s. He's got Down syndrome. He's been a diabetic all his life. They, he was sent to the hospital last week because he was bleeding internally. And they sent him home to die. This is the testimony today. His hemoglobin today is 8.5, exactly the same as last week. No bleeding is happening. The doctor told her he never heard of internal bleeding stopping on its own as long as it's going. They sent him to die, but God had other thoughts on the matter. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, there's something about Down's people, there's a genetic thing, but I believe even God allowed that because it brings out a sweetness and a kindness and a transparency, oh, that we could be little children. I believe that young man is precious in the sight of God. I want to share this testimony with, from Brother Donnie today. His daughter, Erica, got her results from the CT scan. The nodule in the lung is smaller. They don't see anything in the liver because the scan was not done with contrast. The reason for not doing the IV contrast was to protect her kidneys from the toxins. They will do a PET scan in three months, and it'll show everything with less toxins. Doctor said she is doing great. She has good color. She has great appetite. She's gained weight. She's not having hardly any symptoms of chemo except fatigue and a bit of nausea. The doctor was so impressed and happy she's doing well. We give the glory to Jesus. Thank the Lord for her healing. She's already healed by his stripes. Hallelujah. (laughs) We often bring our needs, but we need to bring our thanksgiving to the Lord. And we need to see that God is on the scene. He's working. We often point to what the devil's doing. But I want to point to what God is doing. And God is doing things. Brother Ernie, good to see you. I talked with Brother Ernie here earlier today. He's been suffering with some pain in his back. It's really caused him a lot of trouble. But Brother Ernie, since you're here, we're going to all pray for you while you're here. And I wanted to play those testimonies before we went to prayer. And so, Brother Ernie, we love you, and we're going to pray for you. How many else have a need here? Amen. I believe God is here to answer. Bring all your needs to the altar, then we're going to have a word of prayer. Can we do that? I believe he's faithful. He is so willing, and he is so able to help you. Bring all your needs to him. Bring all your needs to the altar. softly and bow our heads. You that have raised your hands, just hold them up before the Lord. You saw somebody else raise their hands. You see Brother Ernie here. We also need to pray for one another. We need not just to look at ourselves and our troubles. We thank God. We thank Him for healings and all these things. But let's thank Him in advance. Our Brother Dan already shared that with us for all that he will do and the testimony he's going to give out of Sister Erica's life and the testimony already out of this young man, Brother Jeffrey's life. And, and now we believe also for Brother Ernie and every other need as we pray together. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are to be in your presence, in this house, Lord, this place that's been set aside, that we've consecrated, this time that we've given to you. Lord, not just to show up because it's our duty, but Lord, it's in our hearts tonight. We want to be with the King tonight. We want to worship at your feet tonight, Lord. Father, we want to take footsteps. We want to claim our land, Lord. we I believe you've given us a mighty inheritance, Lord. Father, we're here for you. And we want to thank you, Lord, that we're living in the season when you are restoring all things. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, thanking you for these testimonies, thanking you for what you're doing. And Lord, as we're here together, you're the high priest touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Lord, every hand that was raised, there's a need behind it. Lord, I lift my hand. Father, you're so mindful. You're so willing. You see the smallest need. You see the the fall of a sparrow. Father, you see our brother Ernie tonight. Lord, he loves you. And you've done much in his life, Lord. You've blessed him. And I pray, Lord, the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous and it would be terrible to leave it at that. But Lord, there's another part to that scripture, and it says the Lord delivers us out of them all. Father, deliver our brother. May you heal him, O Lord. May you bring a healing into his body, O Lord. Strengthen him, Father. Lead him. And for every hand that was lifted, Father, may you remember them. We want to thank you, and we believe, O Lord, that you are here for your children. We ask your blessing as we now open the pages of the Bible. Lord, may you inspire us. May faith be built up in our lives. May we know the day and the hour we're living in. We ask these things and give you the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I feel like I could keep singing. Or we could all keep singing. And you could, you know, we can all just rejoice in the Lord. Because he's so good to us. If we could see that, oh my, it's wonderful. Thank you, Brother Dan. Thank you to the musicians. Now that you know who they all are, both those that are streaming and those that are here. You know, maybe next time I'll come up and say, you know, let's get the camera up front and let's stream everybody that's here. How would you like that? <laughs> all right. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to have fun too, isn't it? Let's turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, we sat thankful to the Lord that he gave us the opportunity to have the communion the other night. We really appreciate the Lord for that. And the Lord willing. There were some that couldn't attend and couldn't be part of it. And one of them was Brother Harold, but the Lord willing, his family. There's a few others that couldn't come. Brother Ernie, I know you couldn't come, but we want to do it again here in December, the Lord willing. And so we don't want to just make it common, but we want to just say, Lord, thank you for the walk, the communion. Thank you for what you've done. That work will, is still ongoing, the work of the Lamb, and that's why we're here. Proverbs chapter 8, let's start the reading in verse 20. <clears throat> I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. Now just, just reflect on that. I will cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Now, he breaks. Um, Solomon breaks right into this next verse, and he goes into a, a deeper view of this. And he speaks in verse 22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting and from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills were brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part, uh, sorry, no, I just lost it. Well, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set up a compass on the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him. As one brought up with him, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Now our minds are closed to that. We can't see that. But Jesus told his disciples, you were with me before the foundation of the world. We were always with him. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And he says, rejoicing in the habitable part of the earth, and my delights were with the sons of men, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep his ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me daily, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I I want to just read, if I can, just this little thing. It was something... I sent to a few of our our minister brothers and somebody had shared it with me and and it was a blessing to me and I, I just wanted to share this. And this is an analogy. When God wanted to create fish, he spoke to the sea. When God wanted to create trees, he spoke to the earth. When God wanted to create man, he turned to himself and he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So God spoke, and in Solomon here, he's saying, before the mountains ever were brought forth, I was with him. I was in his mind. He had a vision. He created the earth so I could dwell in it. He created this because I was a part of him. So this was done for me. He goes on, this, this analogy goes on to say, Now, if you take a fish out of the water, it'll die. When you remove a tree from the soil, it'll also die. Likewise, when a man is disconnected from God, he dies. Oh, I don't want to live without him. I don't want to live without knowing his presence, without knowing I'm prayed up. And, you know, make it a habit to pray. Make it a habit to talk with God and and, and to know he's there and that he loves you. That's the communion. Now he says, God is our natural environment. We were created to live in his presence. We have to be connected to him because it is only in him that life exists. Let's stay connected to God. We recall the water without the fish is still water, but fish without water is nothing. We know that the soil without the tree is still soil and that the tree without the soil is nothing. We know that God without man uh, is still God. But man without God, he's nothing. So hey, where who's the great one? Where do we want to dwell? Where do we want to live? We want to dwell with him. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 49. <clears throat> I want to just take in and align this thought a little bit with what we read in the first part of Proverbs. So let's, let's just start reading in verse uh, eight, 8, I said. So we'll start reading there. Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time I have heard thee, and in the day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and I will give thee for a covenant of the people To establish the earth and to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. So now I'm just taking these phrases again cause to inherit, but here he refers to it as the desolate heritages. Now thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth, to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pasture shall be in all the high places. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them, but he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Ever, even by the springs of water, shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, those that shall come from far, and lo, those that from the north and from the west, and those from the land of Sinem, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion has said, and Zion refers to the bride, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child? Can she, that she would not have compassion on the son of her womb? Now, you know that that's hardly possible. And, and the Bible says here, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste. Thy destroyers and they that make thee waste shall go forth of thee. Lift up thine eyes, thine eyes round about And behold, all these gather themselves together and come to thee. As I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with all as with an ornament and bind them on as a bride doeth. So I want to just really focus on those words, I will cause thee. So I'm going to take this as a subject. I I have more in my notes than I'm going to be able to bring out today. But I'm going to follow this in the vein of a little bit of where we've been going on some past Wednesdays. So I want to speak tonight on return, and I will cause thee to inherit the desolate heritage, and, and that's really out of both of those scriptures. In, if I can just paint a picture a little bit, and I'm going to do it this way. Uh, in Genesis 1, it would say, in the beginning, God created, don't worry, I'm not going to go to Revelations tonight. In in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, that's a tremendous statement, but this next part. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. There's so much in that verse, too. So I want to take it, God did not start from a level playing field, And bring something up. Let's just call it from condition zero. But he actually started with something that was beneath that. He started with something that was in a negative situation. The earth was without form. It was void. It was darkness on the face of the deep. You know, I I believe only in this country. And we that have a thermometer in this country. We have a thermometer that shows above zero and below zero. And, 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 you know, we, we actually are blessed to live here because the thermometer can go quite far below zero. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens on this part. But we see something that our brothers in Africa or some parts of India or the Philippines or different places, they don't see. They don't know the depths of winter. They don't know how cold it can get, how forlorn it can look. And, and, and if they would, they'd say, what in the world are you doing living there? Yeah, that's what they would say. And that's what we say sometimes. But They don't know all of that. But what they don't know is that when the sun comes into position, when the sun reaches its place, and when the winds blow on the earth, and the ice begins to melt, and everything comes out, and and out of all of this frozen darkness, God can bring a resurrection of seeds and life and things that were, were, were hidden away but not even visible there. I'll tell you what, it's a transformation. Do you love spring? I love spring. And I'm looking forward to it already. And I say, it's wonderful. But you know, think about what God did here. In the beginning, he didn't sort of start from equilibrium and work his way up. He actually took something that was in the depths and it wasn't there. And he was going to show his greatness by taking it not just from, from a good place. He didn't call you as, a, as a, just a churchgoer. And if you were a church goer, you were just as much a sinner as those that didn't. He didn't call you with just a a redeemed nature that was just perfect. And, you know, he called you fallen. He called you when you were down here to show his power, to show his resurrection, to show those things. That's the glory of God that's manifest in these things. So the picture that I want to paint, and I really just took that for a moment. And and I'm going to just use the words of Brother Branham. (coughs) I'm still suffering a bit. I'm going to put this, I don't want to distract you all, but I'm going to put this candy in my mouth just so it'll help me. Okay? And you won't notice the difference. Don't you all go do the same thing now. Brother Branham talks, Satan's Eden. And he's talking about God's Eden. He says, finally, in the headquarters, in a beautiful spot laying east of Eden, God made the world's headquarters of Eden. And he put it there, and he says, it was perfect. God made it that way. And he says, the lion and the wolf fed together. Now, I I want you to look at this as not some far-off place, you know, as fairy-tale land or something. This was a real place. This is where we were meant to live. And this is where we're going. We're not just going to go back, you know, people talk about the good old days. You know, the good old days, you remember, you know, when we, we wouldn't even have to go shopping on Sundays and do things like that. Do you remember what it was like when you wouldn't he- see tattoos on the face of people? When, when women still, those, were, those weren't the good old days. They weren't the good old days. That's not what we're going back to. And people even talk about, do you remember when we used to gather here and and we used to, you know, have services? Yeah, those were good days, but there's better days than that. There's greater days than that. And sometimes our vision is so short-sighted. We're only looking just here. But God has this great inheritance and we're living in the time when God, He's not just restoring seven church ages, but He's restoring everything. Everything that was lost since the Garden of Eden. And he's bringing it back full cycle. And it's not as far off as you think. So he says this. The lion and the wolf, they fed together. The lamb laid down with them. What's the millennium going to be like? Huh. Won't that be a time? Won't that be a time? Where's Brother Jules Forney when you need him? And he says, there was no evil. It was perfect peace, perfect harmony, everything in perfection. God had it under control. Everything was perfect. Everything eating vegetations, nothing died. Nothing was ruined. Nothing was spoiled. And then he placed his beloved children, son and daughter, over it to control it. And he said, God was so satisfied, and he rested from his works. God looked it over. He had spent, you know, Brother Van says, he had spent 6,000 years in molding and fixing it, making the volcanics, push the mountains up, place eruptions just the way, dried it off, and fixed it the way he did. There was nothing like it. The great paradises of God, the great dinosaurs crawling through it, the great animals, no harm. They were as gentle as a little kitten. Nothing at all, no sickness, no sorrow. The great birds swinging from tree to tree. You didn't need bird feeders. They were just there. And he says they would come and Adam would call them by name and they would fly on his shoulders. You can train a budgie or a parakeet to do that. But Adam, had the he had first dibs on it. He, he knew it before any of us ever did. And he says, oh, what a wonderful place. Now, to really, sometimes I like to listen to a tape. And I just like to, you know, let the room be dark and just imagine. One, one tape that I, 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 I love is the cruelty of sin and the penalty that it cost. And when you really enter into what God did for you, and you, and you, the picture Brother Brandon paints, and sometimes the, you know, the, the services that we think, oh, that wasn't a very deep message, testimony on the sea, you know, the woman at the well, you know, like, I'll tell you what, God has made those things real to us. And I say, listen to them, because it speaks of something more. It speaks of something greater. I'll tell you what, if, if all your hope is, I hope I get out of here, I'll tell you what, What's really going to take you out of here is the reality of the other world that's in there. Brought to you by the Spirit in prayer. He says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the things that God has in store. And he says, but the Spirit has revealed them to us. There was no other age, no other messenger since the days of Paul. And Paul was caught up beyond the curtain of time, and he said, there was things that I couldn't explain into the third heavens and, and all of these things. But in this last age, God took this messenger, and he took him beyond the curtain of time. And he, and he comes there, and he comes back with a report. Oh, friends, one visit over there, I could never be the same Brother Branham again. It was perfect. It was beyond Perfect. I'll tell you what, don't just try to escape this place. Catch the reality of what's over there. Catch the reality of your theophany that's calling you. That perfect part of you that was always there. It's calling you. It speaks to you in your word when you hear it. Oh, have you heard from your theophany? I'll tell you what, I get sick of this flesh. You can try and fix it up and do anything you want, but... I'll tell you what, there'll be nothing like the new body. <laughs> so Brother Ram talks about all of this. Now he's talking, he's making this natural description. And then he says, he concludes with this sentence. Oh, what a wonderful place God had. And then I can just imagine the prophet just drops in that other realm. And he just goes right into this phrase. And then... You are one of his attributes from his own body. Oh. And he just begins notice. And now he takes you on a journey where you were at down here. Like you were an attribute of your father. You were in your grandfather's, grandfather's, grandfather's. And you can, you can take it down. And he says, and you were in there. The germ of life came through the male. But you were in your father. You knew nothing about it. But the father longed to know you. And the union of mother, you were made known to the father. And you became his attributes. You, you might look like him and have parts of your body that are like him. That's the way God was in the beginning. He says, every son of God and every daughter of God was in God at the beginning. You don't remember it now, but you were there. He knowed it. And he wanted you to become. So he could contact you, speak with you, and love you, and shake your hands. Oh, he says, isn't it wonderful when your boy comes home from the battle or the table or, you know, from from his day at work, or from driving his car around, you know, and he and says, don't you just love when they come home? Listen, I'll just drop this in. It's nice when they come home that they actually come and say hi to you. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing is required at the Hammermeister household. Okay, so just drop that in. That was a commercial, just quickly, in case any of my family's listening in. He says, but don't you, he says, and when they leave, by the way, same thing. Just say goodbye when you leave. Thank you. Okay. One of them is listening. The other one I hope is listening too. Okay. He says, but how you come from the battlefield. You're scarred up. They'll fix you dinner. Isn't that something believers do well? They'll fix you dinner. They'll kill the fatted calf. They want to have fellowship with you. Same with God. He knew you would be here. He put you in the flesh. And he contacted you. And he says, and in order... No, so that we could be contacted, and in order that he could contact, he became one of us when he became Jesus Christ, and he says, to, to display God's purpose, his attributes in fellowship. And as children of God, we were part of God's attributes that was in him, made flesh like he was made flesh, so you can have fellowship, one with the other as a family of God in earth, on earth. Now, that's, that was God's intent. That's still his intent. Satan might, might get away and wreck some of God's purpose and do some things, but he'll never, he'll, he might hinder it, but he'll never defeat it. God's going to bring it around, and he's going to display it. And the same God that didn't start with zero at the earth, he allowed it to fall below zero, and he brought it up. He allowed our lives to be maybe messed up and scarred. And, and we didn't think about it. We thought, oh, that's terrible. My, my wife and I were just talking this morning about Brother uh, Steve Brisson. And Brother Steve, he grew up without a father. And he, when he was here, he shared the story with us. But he grew up without a father. And when he grew up without a father, he felt like a bitterness and a resentment. And finally it was many years later when he came and he decided to go and meet his father and he was over in Greece or somewhere like that and he met him and he says that's when God broke that. But he still wondered, Lord, why would you allow it? And then he was listening to a song or some kind of a, uh, yeah, the song was, it was sung by Elvis Presley and also Sinatra, I may as well say it now, Um, I Did It My Way, which is actually a very demonic possessed song. Because it, it, it does away with God. I'll do it, you know, I'll have none. But he, and he was listening, to, and his kids had never heard that. And then God spoke to him and said, if you would have had contact with your father, they would have been listening to that. Now, we don't think of that negative as a positive. But God thought of it as a Positive. And he kept us from things. He also allowed us to fall into things knowing he could pull us out. Knowing he could display his greatness. Knowing he could do things. He'll allow a sickness. He'll allow things. But he is in control of it all. In Satan's Eden. He can speak and can tear down a nation. He can speak and raise somebody up. He can still do it today. He's still God today. Now, I'm I'm needing to just paint this picture a little bit. Now, Brother Branham would then go on and say, here was this Eden, and he says also in Satan's Eden, he had everything under control, and he turned it over to his son, and he said, son, it's yours. And he says this, he said, on the basis of free moral agency. What a beautiful place. God was so satisfied, he went back and rested from all his works. Every tree never brought forth thorns or thistles. No berries came off a thorn tree. Everything was perfect. All the seeds were perfect. Everything was perfect. So he gave this land to Adam for an inheritance. And it was a perfect land. And... He gave him free moral agency. And he gave him, he was a direct attribute of God. But he also gave him uh, a a part of himself that that was the the feminine part. And it was all the nature of God. So I want to just stop that there. But I, I want you to think he gave Adam a perfect place. Now, there was aspects of God that were hidden at that time. You know, if we were watching the screen and, and, and we're watching all of this unfold, because God was displaying his greatness. And Brother Bram said there was a hidden part of God that he wanted to be a savior. The same God that would allow things to get negative would display that attribute, Things that would make him a healer or a restorer. This was going to show his glory in a greater way than if he started from scratch and went his way up. But when it was negative, so then God allows the same God that in heaven created the angels and perfection and everything, and then he placed at his right hand the brightest angel, Knowing that within that angel was iniquity and that angel would, would take away a part and, and seemingly even in heaven destroy what God had done. He would take a part of the angels and come down to earth and they become demons. And it seemed like there was something taken, but this was all in God's great design. He allowed it to fall into desolation. He allowed it to fall into these things. And he allowed them to be there on the earth.
1: And he allowed
0: him to come into a little being, call a little being, but it was like a man, but greater than a man, and it was a serpent who, in all respects, looked like a man, but better, bigger, etc. And it was the perfect fit for the for Satan to come into that, because they had a place for a soul, but not quite. He didn't have one, and it was still animal life. Now, I, I I I'm saying all of this, and Brother Branham actually goes into it quite a bit in in the message, power of, of. Uh, Transformation and he speaks about what's called the deceiver. It said he went to take a little rest. The enemy slipped in with deceit, misinterpreting the program to his children, he put his trust in his own child, he put you put your trust in your children, you put your trust in them, but the enemy slips in, that greasy slicker. Yeah. You know, let me just say it this way. You know, some of you didn't come from Alberta, but I, I grew up in Alberta. I remember when Ernst Manning was the premier of, of of Alberta. He was, Alberta was known as the Bible Belt. Alberta was known as a place that was the Prairie, they had the Prairie Bible Institute. You know, Billy Graham had, had a college here. It, it, was, it was a place where, I'll, I'll tell you what, you, you would go out, there was no shopping on Sundays. Thursday night was the only night that shopping stayed open late. Other, other times, 6 p.m. You know what it did? It allowed families to stay at home. It allowed families to be together. But, but Satan, the slicker, came in. You know, they, they had other things, you know, that they, that they would do. They had liquor stores. They were only op- open in certain hours. They weren't open on Sundays. There was none of this kind of thing. But little by little, that same slicker came in. Till today, we, everywhere we look, it is so corrupted and, and almost so much so that we can't even begin to appreciate how, or maybe, let me say it, not appreciate, understand how far this society has fallen. Yeah. <coughs> Somebody said it this way, and, and it really is a parallel to what happened in the church ages, because... A spirit came in of Nicolaitanism. It was just a spirit. Then it took on a, and it became life. But it's like evil slipped in slowly. And so what happened is, it started in, in things. It started where people would begin just to overlook evil. And after a while, evil was legalized. And a little later, they began to promote evil. And after they promoted evil, they celebrate evil. And after they celebrate evil, they persecute all those who still call it evil. That's the world that we live in. That's the world that you and I, it's nothing like it was 50 years ago. And I'll say this, this world is nothing like it was 6,000 years ago. When none of this was here. And I'm just trying to give you that analogy because... You know, I I just said, where can you go down a a store, a mall, and and you find somebody who is decently dressed as far as a sister goes? And even a man who's got a hairstyle that's reasonable. You can't find it. Why? Because the deceiver has come in and has so broken down the fabric. Oh, friends, you've got to be in this word. You've got to be in prayer. Don't rely on your intellect. Because if you're measuring by what you see, you're not seeing it right. You're not seeing it correctly. I don't know if we see how other churches conduct their services. Brother Marshall can tell you about rock and roll bands and pyrotechnics and lights that are part of the worship service. Where is God? Where is the holy God in all of this? I'll tell you, if you're just thinking, I'm a little better than all of that, I say, we need to be under the eagle anointing of this day. We need to be in a place where we're looking to our future home. We need to be in a place, I don't care who the next president is. I just want God, my king. I don't care where things are going. Just take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I'm saying this to encourage you, friends. There are so many blessings God has for us in children. And he's desiring to give them to us. But we operate down here with this servant mindset. With this slave mindset. Oh, if I can just live above sin this week, you know. No. God wants you to be an overcomer. God wants you to take footsteps on the enemy's head. God wants you. He says, I will cause you to inherit my blessings. This is the season that we're living in. It's not way off somewhere. Now, let's just, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. I need to bring a little bit of my text into here, and I'm going to skip some things, but let's just do it this way. Hebrews chapter 11. This is verse 8. Now Adam has fallen. There was a lineage. There was uh, Cain's lineage and Abel's lineage. And then there was a mixing in the time of Noah. And after the flood, it was all a mess. And God says, okay, I'm going to restore, but I'm going to start with this man, Abraham. And I'm going to demonstrate in a nation that I'm going to call the Jewish people, I'm going to give them a natural land. And Abraham's seed, Abraham will walk on it, take footsteps, and those people will have this land as an inheritance. He says, but it won't just be reserved to a natural people. I'm also give, going to give a portion to Abraham's royal seed. And they're also going to have a land, and it's a spiritual land. So what God does for Abraham, he does for, God, for the Gentile people who are a spiritual people. So let's read this, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance. Now, Adam was given an inheritance with a land where everything was perfect. But Abraham was given a land where there was Canaanites, where there was heathens and heathen traditions and all these things. But God says, I'm going to start a work of restoration in you and I'm going to give you this inheritance and as you walk in it, it's going to be restored under you. And as you take footsteps, that land will be, you'll be a part of the restoration. I, you know, this last year, Israel... If you take the area around the Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. There's nothing really living, coming, going on. The land around it is just barren. But there are scriptures in the Bible that God says the desert will blossom like a rose. There, you look at what God has inspired the Israeli people. That land lay dormant for, for thousands of years. But when they came into their land, and you look at what natural Israel has done with the land. They have brought water where the Arabs didn't bring water. They have found oil where they didn't find oil. They have taken that land and they have multiplied it and benefited because... Before God restores the land, He is now restoring the people that are in the land. And before God restores an Eden, He's going to restore sons and daughters. He's going to restore people that are going to take steps and say, This is my land. This is my family. These are my rights. This is what I can live under. I believe we ought to walk in that. I don't think we ought to just say to the devil, okay, I hope I can get past this guy this week. No, I think we need to step on his head. I think we need to put our feet on, say, I got a right to take these things. So Abraham obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. He sojourned by faith in a land of promise Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him are the same promise. He looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, now, it spreads also because the atmosphere. Hey, without the soil, there's no tree, right? Without Sarah, there's no promised child. Without a bride, God's not gonna, God, Satan would have a, a finished saying this whole thing, but God's gonna have a bride, And we are called in the season when he's not calling a church, he's calling a bride. Listen, you watch Brother Branham from about 1964 after he had the preview of the bride. He saw the vision and you watch the change in the way he speaks. He begins to separate the church from the bride. She is different. She is not like other moves. She is a woman. Listen, we are not subject to just rules and regulations. We go higher than that. We walk with him. We talk with him. We want to please him. We want to excite him. We want to live with him. I'll tell you what, that's the real Christian of today. Don't expect, friends, I I, I say this with, with, we'll preach until everyone that needs to come is going to come in. And I'm not here to put fear because God's going to do it. But I'll say this. If you think you're just going to ride on the coattails of coming to church without a walk with God, that will not get you in a rapture. If you think you can just show up a few times and that you're going to be promoted to the rapture because your mom and dad are, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. If you think that you can ride in a half, you know, halfway Christian state, oh my goodness. Brother John, I really appreciated what you spoke to the young people on Friday. Brother John and I have communicated on the message total deliverance. And we've said, this has been for years, and he brought some of it out the other day God does not make halfway Christians. Neither does he make halfway message believers. Neither does he make halfway bride. You're either fully in or you're not in at all. There is no halfway point. The seed is not air with the shuck. We are living in a time when the shuck is pulling away. The shuck is not standing around anymore. You can just say, oh, so-and-so left the message. Listen, I hate to say it, but sometimes that's shuck. That is Shuck that has left. The seed has to stand on its own. I believe we're in that time. We can have strong meat. We can have fellowship with God. So this is a land of promise. Now remember, it's not the land that Abraham or that Adam was given, but it's a land, and the land has potential. And this land, now. Paul begins to write in verse 12, Therefore sprang there even there even of one, and him as good as dead, so that as many as the stars of the sky and the multitude in the sand, which are by the sea, are innumerable. So he's really talking about the resurrection. So in this land, God would allow the promised son. He would allow an Ishmael to come, but he would, he would allow... Sarah who was dead, Abraham who was dead, and then he would allow an Isaac to come, and then at a certain season he would even kill Isaac. Showing what? That in this land, in this desolation, in this old and feeble state, there is life, and that life is the seed of God, and it's our inheritance, and we have Abraham's faith, and we believe all things. Now, I need to just say it the way Brother Bannam would say it because he actually talks about it and, and, he, and he says it here in Power of Transformation. What God did for Adam and Eve, he created a garden of Eden. He spoke it. It was in his mind. Bear that in his mind. What he says must happen. Now he spoke that before they were there, and it happened. But now he speaks it. It has to drop into soil. Soil has to receive it. And when it's received, something ignites. Something happens, and it must come forth. The resurrection is going to come forth. How do you know? Because I'm here. The revival is going to come forth. Why? Because God already spoke to me and I'm moving in it and I believe His word. Therefore it must come forth. I'll say this. The resurrection of the dead will come forth. Why? Because the living which are alive and remain, they without us will not be made perfect. We are here. Therefore that resurrection will come forth. You're all wondering if I still got the candy. I do. <laughs> okay. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were embra- persuaded of them, embraced them, confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I could read more. You can read down to verse 18 if you want to, but it talks about how Isaac would, thy seed, be called. Let's let's leave it there. Let's jump back to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. My, our time's going. We're having a good time, though. (laughs) I don't don't like to qualify this as just a Wednesday, and therefore I know there's physical parts to us, but there's something inside that's beating and it doesn't just, you know, it doesn't take time off Monday, Tuesday. You know, resurrect just to a 70% charge on Wednesday. And then it takes time off for the next few days till we come to Sunday. And it's maybe a 90, 95% charge. No. It's going all the time. It's flatline. It's not stopping. This anointing is on the bride. That was on Jesus. Because we're a part of the resurrection. Genesis 13. So in verse, if we just take that. And I read this here just a few days ago. Verse 14. And and the Lord said unto Abraham, after Lot had separated from him. Now listen, separating from all unbelief. So the the title is Return. Now to, to just, let me put it this way. When you repent, you don't just say I'm sorry. And don't do the same thing. You might feel remorse. You might just say I'm sorry. But to truly repent... Means to say, this has hurt me deeply. And this has hurt you deeply. And I don't want to go down this path again. Therefore, I'm not just going to say sorry, but I'm going to stop from the path I was going and I'm going to turn around, I'm going to return, I'm going to return and go back to you. And so when Abraham separated from Lot, separated from that which was not according to the promised word, then God blessed him with more. When you actually can let go, I'll tell you what, and I'll have to speak it, I don't want to speak Sunday service yet, but when you can let go of all reason all intellect, everything in your mind level, all emotion, everything that's there, when you can let go of everything and commit your soul to God, that's when you're unlimited in power. That's when all the promises are made real to you. That's when the living God changes everything in your life. But too often we come up to this threshold and we don't let go. We, 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 we weep, we cry, we do things, but we don't truly let go. But when we let go, oh friends, you'll say, Why didn't why did I stop so short all this time? Anyway, that's that's we'll save some of that. So when he separated Now he points out all the land, I'm just going to paraphrase verse 15, all this land I'll give to you, I'll make your seed as such, walk through it, he does all of these things. So right after this promise, we go to verse 14. So he's just separated from Lot. But now remember, Lot thinks he's got the best land. I got the greenest pastures. Oh, he must have been over there with his herdsman saying, Abraham, what a sucker, he he offered me one choice. I got the better half of him. Like, he's a businessman. He doesn't know a thing about it. But the first thing you know, Lot ends up going to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's caught there doing business there. And all of a sudden there's a war, and five kings come, and all of a sudden they took Lot and they took all his possessions. Now we drop down to chapter 14 and go to verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way and they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son. And who dwelt in Sodom and all his goods and departed and there came one that escaped and told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plains of Mamre, et cetera, et cetera. And verse 14. Now when Abraham, now the Bible in in verse 12 says it was Abraham's brother's son. But look at this through Abraham's eyes. But when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive. Now, you might say Abraham was a silver dollar, Lot was a penny, whatever you want to call it. But the fact is, Abraham had that whole land as his inheritance. And Abraham could speak to it no matter where it was. I'm going to say there's nothing like the bride on the face of the earth. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have people that are in denominational systems. They may not be like us, but they might come up at the second resurrection. And I think that we ought to have the correct attitude towards them, not just kicking them off, but I think we conduct ourselves... (laughs) as the bride of Christ, as sons and daughters, saying they might not make it through the bride, the first resurrection, but if I can live a life that will cause them to come and they'll see that life. Oh, friends, I don't, we claim our loved ones. That doesn't mean they'll all come through the first resurrection. But I'll say, We have a right, just like Abraham did, to take that what was part of his inheritance. He says, I will cause you to inherit. Now, Lot thought he had it, but Abraham went, and then when he took, he heard his brother was taken captive, he took his own trained servants, he took 318, he pursued them, and he says in verse 16, and he brought back all the goods, and he brought back also his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And he was a hero. And the king wanted to give him all kinds of things. He says, no, I want none of it. In fact, right after that, he says, I'm going to separate again. I'm not touching a shoelace of it, but I'm going to give a tenth to Melchizedek. Now, you talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. That was Abraham. That's the father of the faith. That's the bride today. There's so many places I could take here, and there's different places. Let me just jump ahead to Genesis 23 real quick. And I'm really talking about, you know, restore, and I will cause you to inherit. Now, it's not all at once, but I think we need to see that step by step, we are inheriting the very things. Now, Abraham, now listen, Abraham knew there was a land because he met the king of the land. Therefore, he looked for a city because he'd met the king already. And we know that in this last day, God has met a people on the earth today. Therefore, we walk as possessing. I, 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 this, this may be corny to you, but it's real to me. I, I was, a couple of years ago, I was driving out from, uh, we, had our camp, we had our meetings here. It was Brother Ron Spencer had preached. I stayed to the last service. the next day they started services in Cloverdale for some some meetings. A camp there, a number of believers went. And so some of my family went ahead and I drove after and I'm driving alone and I, I'm just still reveling in the meetings and I'm, you know, I'm going through Rocky Mountain House and I'm just praising God, listening to tapes, you know, and then I'm coming through the mountains. Oh, the mountains. And I, I, I found a tape that said, how great thou art. I played it 17 times in a row. How great thou art. And I'm just going through the mountains and, and I'm walking up there and, and I come up to Pato Lake and I'm looking down over the mountains and I'm going, wow, Lord, I, I, I want to be here forever with you. And something just spoke and said, you will be. You'll walk this again. And there won't be people with tattoos and people walking around with backpacks with speakers blaring out. Don't they know what headphones are? And they'll be, you know, they'll be just doing all these things. There won't be none of those things. But I'll be able to walk on it. And I've already walked on it. It's already mine. I already know it's mine. I'm walking in it. I'm taking a part of it. <laughs> Genesis, we could, we could take different parts. The resurrection's in the land. So it didn't just pertain to Sarah, who was dead, and Abraham, but it was Isaac, and it also pertained to the seed. So Genesis 23, Abraham under anointing. Sarah was 127 years old. She died. I, I won't read all of this. But he comes, and he comes to the people of Heth, and he says in verse 4, I'm a stranger and a sojourner with you. And they said, yes, Abraham. He says, verse 6, you're a mighty prince. Verse 7, he says, uh, he bows himself, and he says, now, in verse 9, he says, uh, verse 8, and he communed with them, saying, if it be in your mind that I should bury my dead out of sight, hear me, and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field, for as much money as it's worth, he shall give it to me for a possession for a burying place. So Abraham actually, they, they wanted to give it to him. And Abraham said, no, 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 I don't want to take it from you. I don't want no strings attached. I'm going to pay exactly what I need to pay, and I'm going to give it to you, and, and, and you're going to have it, and you're going to know it's mine. So they did all of this, and you go right to the last chapters, and it said, and the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place. So this didn't turn out just to be set for Sarah, but it was for Abraham's seed. You find that even Lot, uh, sorry, even Job was buried near there. And, and this was Job who had seen the resurrection. So there was an inspiration about where you're to be buried. Now, the inheritance, it didn't, you know, it, he had to buy it, he had to do all these things. But you know what? It was his and when you, know it's his, when you know it's yours, you may have to separate from things. You may have to take and, and, and go through struggles. You may have to just, in fact, do things that, that they, they say you're foolish for doing it. Listen, I'm, I'm just being open. I, I really wanted to jump into the next part. And, and that was in Leviticus 20. But I would need another 20 minutes, and I'm not going to do that to you. I started speaking on this yesterday, and I got frozen. I didn't get cold. I just got frozen. Some brothers know what that means. Anyway, you know, and, and, and really, now you're all wondering. Ask these brothers. They know. Some are right here. Some are back there. <laughs> Listen, so that you may say it this way, the, the, the things that we go through, I, I, I like to make sure my every step is ordered of God. I, I was buying a car one time and I was just a young Christian and I just said, Lord, I, I want your will in this. In this car? Yeah, in the car. I, and, and, I, and I thought about it and, then I just, and I saw this car and I came into this, oh, and it just felt like that was my car. I mean, I, uh, it, it was mine. That's all there was to it. It just was a revelation to me. So I, I, uh, I went in there and I, and I thought, no, that's too much money. So I offered him, I, should, I, should, I wasn't a good negotiator at the time. I have some in my family that are really good negotiators now, and they'll do it for me. But I I, I just offered him my bottom line. And he said, okay, well, that's your bottom line. Listen, just go up a little from there. And I said, no, that's my bottom line. And then they came, okay, this is our bottom line. Let's go halfway. And it was only like 150 bucks apart. And I, I knew it was mine, right? And so I said, sure, let's do it. Well, my heart was smitten because I'd prayed, and I said, Lord, if that's really my car, I'll have it for this amount. So I walked away from there. And I I went to pray that night. I couldn't pray. Now, this isn't written in the Bible, but this is between me and God. This is my walk with him. My life is his. This piece of property is his. It's all his. My job is his. My family is his. My everything is his. So here I'm like, oh man, I was smitten. So they said, well, you know, come in, sign the papers. We'll just arrange this. And, you know, you just, you know, I need a little bit of money from the bank for whatever to to borrow it. And I, I didn't even go to the bank. So after three days, they're calling me, how come you haven't come in yet? I said, I'm coming in tomorrow morning. And I said, I gotta get to make this right. And I walked in there, sat down in front of the guy, and I, and I said, listen, I made a mistake. I'm a Christian, and I had prayed that such and such, and I'm just telling this, the guy said, I didn't know what he was or anything, and I'm telling him this, and he says, and so I made a mistake, I'm willing to lose the car, but I want peace with God. And the salesman shook his head. And now I've heard it all. He leaves the room. He calls his manager. His manager comes in, thumps the desk. You're a Christian and you go back on a deal? What kind of a Christian? He says, listen, I'm wrong. I was wrong. Huh. Stomps out. And, I thought, and at that moment, I had peace. I had peace. And I said, I don't care if I never get the car. But I also caught, that felt like my car. <laughs> but there's a right way of going about it. So I, I, five minutes goes by, the guy comes in, thumps a Bible on the desk. I'm a Christian too. <laughs> and I believe God wants you to have this car. So I'm going to give it to you for the amount that you told me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> That was a little thing early in my Christian walk. Hey, God tests us along the way. Yes, the land is mine, but not the heathen, not their traits, not all the things that go with it. It is under God's conditions and my home that is mine. It's not meant for for the world to come in. It's not meant for those things, but it's meant as a house of God. And this is a temple of God. Now I didn't get to part B, but we'll leave that for another Wednesday. Musicians, you can come. How many love the Lord? Let's stand together. I still got the candy in my mouth, but I'm going to leave before it dries out. So. Well, I don't know. I feel like we need to sing something that's giving glory and honor to God. Psalms 34, magnify the Lord. Can we do that? Isn't God good? Amen. Sought the Lord And he answered me And delivered me Amen.